Hello and welcome to the Splitting Hairs podcast presented by Jackrabbit Illustrated. In today's former player feature, Kyle interviews a fan favorite from the early days of Division I, Brock Campbell. I'm Kyle and today we have a former player feature, my former teammate Brock Campbell. Brock, how you doing, man? I'm good, Kyle. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, I appreciate you joining, man. Uh, All the way from Tampa, Florida. Yeah. How's the weather out there? It's hot, man. It's already uh, June 1st, and it's like 100 degrees out with the humidity and everything. So I'm not really uh, looking forward to this summer. It's going to be long. I hear you, man. Is it Now, are you guys entering into hurricane season now? Is that what I'm, I'm hearing? Yeah, I think hurricane season starts here in the next, like, maybe week. But um, so they, they say we're going to have an active hurricane season. But, I mean, it's just like I always tell my wife all the time. It's just like, you know, we had tornadoes in the Midwest. So it's like tornadoes you can't prepare for. They're just – they're so quick. They come out of nowhere and then hurricanes, you get at least a week's notice. So, I mean, to me, it's just like the, the tornadoes are much worse than the hurricanes. Absolutely, man. You traded, uh, you traded some of the tornadoes for a little bit more sunshine and a, a lot shorter winter. huh? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. There's not much winter here at all. So, but no, I love it down here. I don't miss the weather. I don't miss the snow, but um, I love the sunshine down here for sure. I hear you, man. And I'd probably be remiss if we didn't shout out all the people that were affected actually in uh, South Dakota, uh, from a huge weather event, uh, I think they had a haboob there that that really crushed a lot of the a lot of living spaces in the rural areas out there. So uh, our thoughts are with all the listeners. I know we got a ton of listeners in that region. Um, hopefully, everybody made it out all right. And uh, reach out if, if we can do anything for you. Yeah. Um, Brock, are you impacted a lot by the by the hurricanes or even just the the rains out there? So I mean, we'll get a lot of rain. I mean, I live so I mean I'm I'm, pro- I'm in Tampa, so I'm probably from the water it probably takes me 15 minutes to get to the water, like the bay to get to the actual beach. The Gulf is probably going to take me about 45 minutes. Um, so like, we'll get a lot of rain, we'll get winds, we'll get down trees and stuff like that. And some flooding around where I'm at. But other than that, it's not like we're, we're getting that coastal coastal water and inland flooding, things like that. So, yeah, I gotcha. And now for, for fans who may not be familiar with you, you are an Iowa kid, right? From Cherokee. Yeah, I grew up, born and raised in Northwest Iowa, Cherokee, Iowa, small town in uh, the, the northwest corner of the, the state. So nice. And so, were you familiar with South Dakota State before you joined the squad? Or, I mean, I know we get a lot of recruits from Northwest Iowa and have had a lot of success with the Iowa Jacks, specifically in the D1 era. Yeah, no. So, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I was not familiar with South Dakota State at all. Um, honestly, I never thought I'd go to college and play football. You know, I always wanted to go to college and play basketball. You know, football just kind of had a really good senior season. And I realized I'm a six foot two, um, you know, guard, I guess, you know, in, in basketball, that doesn't that doesn't work out long term very well. So um, the recruiting process, South Dakota State was the one that was really kind of all over me from from the get go. They'd actually offered me before my senior season. And uh, the more and more I just got to know the coaches and everything like that. There was just the, that family atmosphere that I think we all know and, and, and grew to appreciate was one of the driving factors that really kind of took me to Brookings. And, you know, I really enjoyed my time there. Yeah. So you're a versatile athlete in high school, played multiple <laughs> sports then. Yeah. So I played football, played basketball, ran track, played baseball. So when you're, uh, when you're from a small school in, in, in Iowa, you, you play all sports, you don't really have time to, um, to take any time off, but I loved it. You know, I, you know, track and field, I think is probably the one thing that I missed the most. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's an, that's an sport that I just absolutely love to watch in the Olympics. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the one sport I always missed throughout college. But, you know, obviously really enjoyed my time playing football. That's awesome, man. And who recruited you when you were going through the, throughout the process from South Dakota State? Yeah, it was um, – who recruited me? It actually was um, Eric Isness. It started out with Coach oh, yeah. E. 
Yeah. And so coach E was there before he, um, he recruited me until he took the job at Southwest Minnesota state. So Mm -hmm. once he took the job at Southwest Minnesota state, it was uh, coach Moore and then uh, coach Meadows actually were the other two that started recruiting me from there. So. That's awesome, man. And all of those coaches have have gone on to have pretty stellar college careers. Um, It's kind of weird. So coach E was not there when you and I were playing together. And then you left Southwest Minnesota State and took the OC or actually took the quarterback's job, then became the OC and then was like a wizard for the Jacks at OC. And now he's in yeah. Northern Illinois doing the same same stuff there. Just won a conference title, I think. So, yeah, no, I, I think when you look back at just all the coaches that were there from the time, the times that I was there, I mean, you think you got, you know, Coach Lee, who's the head coach at Vanderbilt, you know, you got Coach Meadows, who's done really good things. You got, Coach Moore's at Wyoming now, and, you know, the list goes on and on. So I think, you know, people see, you know, obviously there's been some transition in the coaching staff here the last, you know, couple months at South Dakota State. But I think what people can really lean on and understand and know is that they're going to bring in guys that are going to be high-quality coaches. And, you know, a lot of times we're going to end up getting coaches, better coaches, you know, as we continue to grow the program and we, we're a nationally relevant program. I mean, you're going you're gonna to find coaches that want to come to South Dakota State because they're going to see a lot of opportunity to continue to grow their careers. Yep. That and talking to Jimmy this past summer, um, Coach Rogers, <laughs> our, our former teammate, he was saying how it's highly sought after not only the head coaching job, but there's, there's stability, which obviously, you know, in the coaching yep. ranks, there's so much of a carousel. But as long yep. as, you know, the figurehead, Coach Stig is there, you know, Coach Rogers is there. Now he's been there almost like 10 years, I want to say. Um, which makes us feel old. Um, Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I think everyone, I mean, Jimmy kind of embodies, you know, South Dakota State football, right? I mean, you know, he was part of the second D1 class, you know, coming from Arizona. And, you know, Jimmy was just that guy that you could just tell was going to be a a head coach one day. And he's going to be, I I mean, you know, he would, he's that guy that's writing game plans by himself on top of what the coaches were doing and handing it out to the guys. Like you just, you knew he had you, he had it in him, and I mean, there's a reason why our defenses are so successful now. You know, with Jimmy Brown's oh, yeah. show there, and there there's that it factor that you just see in people, and you can't even really articulate. It just kind of bleeds through, and then it impacts other guys on the on the field, right? Because like, I think it definitely had a different mentality as we as he shifted kind of into more of a leadership role uh, yeah. with his play, and like obviously from guys like you, Kubish, Justin Kubish yeah. of the world, you know. Chris Johnson kind of fed off that too, a little more soft-spoken, but just a freak um, yeah. nature athletically. Yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, when when we came up, obviously got there in 2004, you know, you look at the facilities, you look at the program. I mean, we weren't a powerhouse in Division Two, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think we all kind of, I think I heard Stig say at one time, is like, you know, when we went from D2 to D1, we kind of drew a line in the sand and, you know, said so we're not looking back. You know, we're going to be a successful program and we're going to move this thing forward. And, you know, ultimately that was the the goal that I I read out my goals when I was a freshman. And it's like by year five, that was our first year that we could make the playoffs. And like, that was my goal. Like I wanted to help lead South Dakota State to a, to a playoff appearance. And, you know, obviously we, we fell short of that, but the next year we ended up getting our first playoff appearance. And obviously, you know, everything's been rolling since. So um, yeah, yeah it, it, it's, it's been awesome to see the program continue to rise and to be nationally relevant and, you know, kind of beat down on some of these bigger schools and really show that like, you know, people want to go to these big schools all the time and they don't realize that you want to go to places that you get a playing time and B are going to get developed. And I think you got a lot of those opportunities in South Dakota state. So. Yeah. Even from a recruiting perspective specifically, right. You get a lot of these power five schools that they hear of a kid who gets offered. He, he obviously passes the eye test, his film, no brainer. And then they just, they jump on that offer train, that bandwagon type deal. But when you're looking at the FCS type caliber, 
of recruitment. A lot of times they go under recruited and they get they get really, really well developed at these FCS institutions. And now in the current era, we have tampering occurring with NIL yeah. and things like that. And, and essentially they're using the FCS as a feeder. So yep. just want to shout out. I don't know if you've followed it at all or been able to keep tabs on it, but we have a, a really good tight end Tucker Craft. Yeah who's yeah. actually uh, experienced some tampering and some, you know, some, a little bit of foul play here and there, but he's, you know, had good character. He knows what he wants and he's sticking uh, with the Jacks. Yeah. I mean, if you look at a kid like that, I mean, I mean, I follow football very closely still and everything. And, you know, I happened to see that the other day and, um, you know, good for him for, you know, wanting to not follow the money and chase the money. He knows at the end of the day, if you can play, they're going to find you. I mean, that kid, that kid's going to be a high draft pick. Like, oh yeah. He's good. He's going to be an and he's going to be a good NFL player. I mean, look at Dallas Goddard. I yep. mean, you know, he came from South Dakota State and he just got absolutely paid. So, mm-hmm. I mean, people got to realize that, like, you know, the the bright lights now they are nice, right? I mean, you can go play in front of national audiences and everything like that. But if your ultimate goal is to get to the NFL and have a long term career, like, you got to realize that like you can get there from other places, and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a Alabama, it doesn't have to be a Georgia, you know, it doesn't yeah. have to be a Minnesota. Like, you can you can go to these FCS schools because in reality, if you look at the Missouri Valley conference, it's, it's a better conference than probably almost every group of five school. Yep. Absolutely. I I mean, if you look at the Mac, I mean, the the team that wins the Mac every year, I mean, no offense to the guys who left to go to Northern Illinois, they wouldn't win the Missouri Valley conference. No, they They wouldn't. wouldn't. They They would not. I mean, I hate to say it. So, but people, you know, people, they think, Oh, you know, I'm going to play a D one. I play Tuesday night football. I play on ESPN and stuff like that. And, it's, it's not always the it's not always the best place, but everyone has to make their own decisions, right? Yeah, you know, and you got to find your best fit. So if that yep. if that happens to be in the MAC, I mean, more power to you. I think the reality really is though, when you're looking at a 16 game slate uh, yep. potentially for those who make it all the way to Frisco, and you're looking at uh, at at minimum 12 to 13 games when you're looking at a caliber of the Jacks, and really more consistently 14, 15 year in and year yep. out. That's a lot of development right? That's an opportunity yeah. to get good film out there. That's an opportunity to get more practice time. I mean, the yeah. resources are there now at South Dakota State. Last week, I just interviewed the mental performance coach. Bro, when we were there, did you envision a mental performance coach ever being at South Dakota State? No. I mean, <laughs> you, you know our facilities. I mean, we had the trailers. We had, you know, we didn't have we didn't have a in-ground hot tubs and cold tubs and stuff like that. I mean, we literally had some, some kiddie paths outside out front during fall camp that people would hop in and that's what you do. So, I mean, I think the the guys today, I don't think they really understand and realize like the facilities and how well they have it. You know, yeah. we were, we were, we were practicing outside and in, 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 on ice fields, you know, and, and now they have an indoor facility and, and probably one of the nicest indoor facilities in America, you know? So, I mean, these, these guys, I mean, they, they have a, a really good setup and I would, I would argue that they have better facilities than a lot of, again, going back to the group of five schools, you look at their facilities and they are top notch. Most definitely. And it, and it really does help to be the only show uh, really in the state uh, with respect to not having an FBS school or a professional yeah. team that kind of competes for those eyes. Um, you know, there's a ton, ton of great uh, excitement and momentum around sports in general. I know the Stanford yeah. Pentagon, they're bringing Baylor and I want to, was it Gonzaga? It's like Baylor. Yeah, it was and, Gonzaga song. Yeah. Yeah. Baylor and Gonzaga are coming there in December. So it's like, yeah. There, there's a real hunger for for elite sports competition. And, you know, with guys like Goddard and Zenner and Pierre Strong uh, really, you know, making hay 
in South Dakota, along with the dudes on the hardwood, Nate Walters and, yeah. you know, all the, you know, Mike Dom, it's, it's really becoming uh it's making a name for itself. It's, it's to the point where I can walk around Texas, right. It was known yep. for sports um, with a jackrabbit on my chest and they don't get confused <laughs> with some other schools anymore. Uh, they yeah. know, they know which Dakota it is. So. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I will say down here they get they get confused with the Dakotas, and it, it drives me absolutely insane. But I mean, it's um, they also recruit very heavily down here. So no, I but, know, yeah, yeah. You know, no, I, I just say know. I just say think goats when you're thinking goats. You think Vinatieri, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. There you uh, go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. So, like, I do want to highlight you. You were a part of the Division One uh, transition. Yep. And I remember seeing you on campus and you uh did you play hoops uh during that time period a little bit you were a part of the, the jackrabbit team for a period there yeah it was when obviously that the whole situation yep. happened and they were they were dealing with some injuries and stuff and yep. so i think what was me me wags uh mike stefan and, and glenn we would practice with the basketball team and yeah I, I i went all the travel trips i figured it was just i didn't have to go to class i mean it sounds terrible but i could go get some free trips around the country and i mean it was, it was a good experience. You know, those guys, you know, coach Nagy, I, I just thought the world of him. I thought he was a great basketball coach and mm-hmm. obviously it's showing, you know, where he's at right state now and everything. But yeah, I really enjoyed that. That was, that was to me, that was kind of that other itch that I had. I was, I always loved basketball growing up. And so um, the opportunity to go, you know, see high level competition and stuff like that, you know, throughout the country with those guys, I thought it was a good opportunity. So it was fun. Well, and that really kind of opened my eyes to when I transferred in the, the caliber of athlete that we had. I mean, obviously Wags is a freak in nature with like yeah. six, seven, two fifty, yeah. ran four, five, forty, had a cup of coffee with Lane Kiffin's Raiders, yep. you know, great tight end. You look at Fox, he could play offense. He played defense when I first got there yeah. to South Dakota yeah. State. He was on the hoops team and Domino. Domino could hoop, and I wasn't even aware of that. You know, Derek yep. Domino, a, a great jackrabbitbacker. Yeah. So actually, like Jay Mitch, I think was probably the best basketball player on our entire team. But yeah. I, 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 if he's listening to this, I wouldn't want to ever tell him that because I know he's. <laughs> You'd never hear the end of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So then in uh, 2005, you was your redshirt freshman year. It was. Yep. So, I so you played a little. You, you played receiver that year, right? I did. Yeah. I came to school as a receiver and I played receiver my true freshman year or my, my redshirt year and then my redshirt freshman year. And then I, uh, I moved over to the other side of the ball uh, starting in my sophomore year. Yep. Yeah. So I remember we were on a trip to Nichols state in Louisiana. Yeah. And so we get off the bus, probably one of the hottest days I've ever experienced. Yep. Um, all their fans. Cause Nichols was kind of a power at that point. They were ranked yeah. 25th in the nation. I want to say, um, we line up, we're kind of putting it on them. They're running, you know, the traditional option offense. We're putting it on them. You make a tackle and, and what happened, man? Walk us through that. A little actually, bit. I, actually, I missed the tackle. So that makes it even worse. Yeah. So I, 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 all it was, yeah, I just remember diving. And I thought I got the wind knocked out of me. Um, took myself out for like a play and just thought I was okay. And, you know, about three hours later, come to find out it was a little bit worse than just getting the wind knocked out of me. So. And you, you, uh, was it, you ruptured your spleen or yeah. Yep. I so you had to stay behind in Louisiana for that. We ended up getting the W, which was excellent. Yep. Um, yep. And then we won seven straight, which was awesome. We were the cardiac jacks that year. Right. Uh, yeah. Winning down to the wire, but, uh, you bounced back and I think you just need a little bit more, you know, around the midsection. You had too many abs. You had 12 abs, <laughs> I think back then. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about <laughs> that, but it's not like that anymore. I'll tell you that. I hear you, dude. Well, yeah, you know, 
I think the important thing to highlight there, obviously I'm glad that you're, you're better. Um, but any, any of us who did play at that level, it comes with sacrifice. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes in the working world, you can sacrifice, you know, a bad idea here and there. Maybe you take a hit financially, hopefully not, but in football, you're sacrificing your body and that's going to carry you and walk with you throughout the rest of your life. So you really have to be committed to it. There's no halfway, halfway commitment with football. Yeah, 100%. I was, you know, I have a little baby girl now. And I always remember telling my wife, like, you know, I wanted a boy. And, but at the same time, like when you have a boy, you gotta, you gotta actually, if he wants to play football, you have to be able to allow him to play football and you got to make that decision. And it's like, I don't really know if I want to make that decision. If I have a, if I have a, a child boy, if he wants to actually play the game or not, because Again, yeah, it does come with a lot, like you said. You know, you can have some long-term injuries and effects from it. I mean, remember, you know, look at Mike Steffen, you yeah. know, when he the, – the, that ankle injury that he has. That was probably the worst thing that I've ever seen playing football, you know. And obviously he came back to have a great career and everything ended up being fine. But, you know, the, you step on the field, there's injuries that are going to happen. And it's just like they're injuries that are probably not going to happen in any other sport. So. Yes, sir. And now, like, when you look back, just transitioning from that – everybody makes a sacrifice for the ultimate goal national championship. Now yeah. you said we weren't able to reach the playoffs uh, your senior year. We were frigging close though. Every single year you were there and I was there except for one. Yep. We were, we had a shot to win the Missouri Valley outright or yep. you know, the great West. Um, now, what was it like uh, in high school? Did you win any championships? Were you? No, I, we didn't honestly, like, you know, our football program was terrible when I was in high school. Um, so we, we, we tried to be a traditional running offense and, you know, line it up with two tight ends and two receivers and, you know, try to try to play power football. And, you know, I, I think my freshman, sophomore and, and junior seasons, we won one game each year. Um, you know, we just and then, but we had a bunch of athletes, you know, we had a bunch of athletes where we could, where we could play. And um, so my coach, you know, in Northwest Iowa, you know, in Texas, people were running five wide, you know, five yep. wide shotgun, throwing the ball everywhere. And he just made a complete change. And, and we ended up we ended up probably being one of the first in northwest Iowa to basically just completely spread it out. You know, we just got guys in space and we were just we had guys, you know, moving. So you know, I ended up going to South Dakota State. One of my buddies went to Iowa to play tight end the year later. You know, we had another receiver that, you know, played at Wayne State for a period of time. But actually, a kid went to USD. So we had some we had some athletes and that's what we needed. And we ended up winning seven games my senior year. So. And then they were pretty good for a few years later than that, but we never won a championship, you know, and that was, that was the one thing that, you know, I wanted more than anything was to either win a national championship or whatever it may be. Um, but ultimately we fell short. So. Yeah. But then you transition to college, you're on yep. the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. We wanted to win a national championship, but the last year we were on uh, probation as we were going to transition when we were division one full transition, yep. we did win a conference title and you were a key factor in that secondary so yeah. what was that like? Kind of walk walk people through that experience because I think they see South Dakota State now and they expect the prominent program, but they don't yeah. under, they don't understand necessarily what that 2007 team really did. Yeah, and I mean it it, it was an interesting because we were playing in a conference where we really had four or five conference games. So I mean that that was a little bit different than going through the Missouri Valley grind. But I think what that showed is that that we can be that championship caliber type program. Um, We'd never been there before. I don't know that how many title or conference championships South Dakota State had won prior to that. One. And e- one, yeah. So, I mean, even if it, it didn't – even if it was maybe – it wasn't insignificant to the program, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it was something that was, I think, huge for the program. And I think it showed kids that if they come here, like this is a program that's on the rise and there's they're going to do things. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, and you think about that that season, you know, it, it continues to happen. You know, we South or North Dakota State was ranked what number one in the nation. They were mm-hmm. eleven and zero going into that last game. Yep, and, and and we won that game. And um, I think that continued to show people that we really do. We are on a program that is on the up and is up and coming program. And there's we're gonna be people are gonna have to deal with us moving forward. And I think they're starting to see it now. Absolutely. And then obviously the buy-in from the the donors and, and you know, yeah. the excitement around it being the only show on turf. And then, um, you know, you got, you, you graduated, you, we were able to experience that championship as a team from a conference perspective, uh, senior year, man, we did, we did have some really good success uh, here and there in spurts. And uh, we were all the way up to the, the last game of the year when we beat North Dakota state in yeah. Fargo. Um, yep. What was that experience like for you? Cause I know not, Obviously, you still to this day, not a lot of teams have success up there. And for you to experience that as a senior, that had to be pretty special. It was for me, and I was an underclassman. Yeah, no, for sure. I think the the, the week before, you know, kind of took the air out of me a little bit. You know, that we lost to Southern Illinois, I believe. I think they kicked the field goal as time yep. expired. And, and that knocked us out of the playoff race. It really mm-hmm. did. I mean, if we win that game, we make the playoffs after winning the next week. So, but, yeah, I mean, I, obviously that, that North Dakota State game, if you look at it, uh, I think Ryan Berry threw a touchdown to uh, Mike Steffen, if I'm not mistaken, yep. at the end of the game to win it. So, yeah, I mean, it's just – that it, it couldn't have been a better way to end it, you know, go out on top against your rival, you know, bring the code marker home again. I think it was for the second straight year. And, um, you know, just, just be able to finish a career and, you know, on top, you know, not losing your, your, your last game there and actually winning the Dakota marker against your rival. So – yeah, I mean, I thought it was great. I thought it was a good experience, and that's a tough place to play. I mean, it, it was then, and it still is now. So, definitely. And then, so you you keep preparing. You you know, you kind of want to. You did get robbed of a year there in the middle, um, or a significant chunk of playing time due to that injury that you sustained in Nichols. And so you you still had that itch you were ta- you were telling me about. So talk about yeah. what transpired that led you uh, to the Canadian Football League. Yeah, you know, honestly, like I, I was, I was thinking about this the other day, and I remember like our our, our last meeting um, in the locker room, and, and Danny Batten actually asked me. I remember him, "Are you done playing?" And I said, "Yeah, I think I'm done." You know, and he's like, "No, man, go play arena, go do something." And you know, that was he was like, "You know what? I should, and 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 I want to." And I I moved to Florida about four months after I graduated. Um, took a job at Wells Fargo Financial. Just continued to train every day. Um, like I said, I ended up meeting some people that introduced me to agents and you know um yeah one thing led to another and I ended up getting an opportunity to go play in Canada it was actually three years after I was done um and I was up there for a season um yeah and it was a good experience you know it kind of got that that itch that I had to continue to play after college um I don't think I would have spent a lot of years up in Canada (laughs) Yeah, I think you know it was it was uh it was different because you're not playing with your friends I mean it's it's a business you know every day you know, you, you're, there's an opportunity for you to go home. Um, so it, it's a true business. It wasn't like playing with your, your friends in college and, you know, going out having fun with them on the weekends and then, you know, practicing all week and, you know, things like that. So it was a good experience, you know, and um, yeah, it kind of just showed me like whatever I put my mind to, like I can accomplish and, and I'm going to do. So I think that's what I've taken, you know, just pushing forward and in just the business world in general now. That's awesome. Yeah. And obviously it's a testament to your ability to stay fit and in game shape to be able to, you know, have a little hiatus like that, but then be able to step right onto the field and, and contribute. Cause what, what club were you up with up there? Yeah. So I played for Hamilton. I played for the Tiger Cats. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you played, played. It wasn't just like you were a part of the team. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I, 
started the second week that I was up there. Um, I actually was a league player the week, the third, the third week I was starting and then got a concussion a couple weeks later and played about six more games. And then they made a trade for a guy that they wanted to play. And it's just mm-hmm. the nature of professional sports. Right. And then, yeah, I ended up getting sent home, but it was the best thing. You know, my grandfather was going through a situation with Alzheimer's and um, Lou Gehrig's disease. And actually he had about three weeks to live and I got to spend those three weeks with my grandfather after it. So, like I always say, everything happens for a reason. And honestly, like if I didn't get to spend those three weeks with my grandfather, who I was very close with, I would it would have it would have sucked. So I was very appreciative of my time up there, but I was also appreciative of the time I got to spend with my grandfather at the end of his life too. Yeah, that's good good perspective, man. Because it, yeah. it's always bigger than the game, you know, to 100%. some degree. It's hard to yeah. let go of that, you know, when you devote so much time. And you know, it's also probably a good testament that you didn't have to specialize in high school playing football because it can kind of consume you like coming from the South where I grew up and it, it can, it can skew your perspective on priorities a little bit because yeah. it, it demands so much of you. But uh, once that's taken away, you realize life uh, there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more uh, that goes into it than just what's between the hashes. So, yeah. And it, it I mean, you know, it's, you obviously living in Florida, you grew up in, in Georgia and you live in Texas now and football's everything, right? I mean, yep. these kids are one track minded. They want to play just football. And even the coaches here, I mean, I, I hear it in the, I think I work out in the gym and my buddy trains a bunch of NFL guys and a bunch of high school kids come through there. And it's always like the high school coaches only want to play football. Won't let them run track. Won't let them play basketball. Won't let them play baseball. And I'm just like, these kids are specializing in one sport. There's one movement that they're doing. Bingo. And there's a reason why none of them end up being, not none of them. A lot of them don't end up being that successful. And they always end up getting hurt in college because yeah. their body is only used to one movement and one movement only. And um, I think it's actually a detriment to kids. You know, I think yeah. college coaches want to see kids who are multi-sport athletes anyways, because I, there's just a lot of things that come with it. I think that are actually beneficial, especially on the football field. Well, and to make that tangible, there was a study done that compared athletes in the SEC and Southern States. Um, their biological age was like 30, yeah. but their actual, uh, their actual age due to the trauma they sustained was like 60 do the yeah. impact and the demands and just their ability to generate force output um, because of the competition there and having to adapt to that environment versus other athletes coming from, you know, a more varied mixture of sports that they were um, partaking in is, is, is much healthier. It's because it, it keeps the body more agile. Right. Um, and, I, and, and, specialization. And, and I would argue that if, if you look at a lot of, so you look at the NFL rosters, there's a ton of FCS players on NFL rosters, right? And I think a lot of that is they just develop different, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, I develop different, you develop different than, than most people. Obviously you started out at a larger university and obviously you had a, you were built a lot different than I was obviously, but you look at a lot of these kids, like just look at the guys at Alabama. Most of those guys are fully developed by the time they get to Alabama. They're not getting any better, you know? And then, I mean, you have strength coaches who are probably not the best strength coaches and literally all they have to do is just try not to get them hurt. So guys aren't getting developed and, you know, in some of these smaller schools, they're getting more playing time. They're getting developed in the weight room. And I think that's the, that's the key to success and having a long-term, you know, NFL career too, because I mean, look at the guys, look at some of these programs, you know, they don't come from big programs and they're, they're having these long NFL careers. And I think there's a reason for that. Yeah. And it's, I think it's great for the player now that you have NIL because you look at guys that retired real early. I know there was a linebacker out of Wisconsin who retired early from the yeah. 49ers due to head injuries. 
and you look at all these other things, running back would be a great example. If you got a guy who's carrying the ball at a prominent institution yeah. for three or four years and he's just taking shots, taking shots, he may have a very short-lived NFL career, right? Yeah. And that means his ability to earn a living at that level for his family diminishes. Well, now you have NIL. That guy can earn probably not the same, but really close to a nice, nice living that he would in the NFL at a major institution. And now even FCS institutions. There's guys signing deals for, you know, $10,000, $20,000 here and there, you know, yeah. potentially six-figure deals. So it's like, um, yeah. you know, it's, it is it is good for the athlete. They just got to figure a little bit, uh, figure out some of the finer tuning to make sure there's no tampering and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think, look, I mean, that's going to happen. I think there's just – there's so many iterations that are going to come down on this. I mean, I, I know a parent here who has a son who transferred from a West Coast school to a school in the Southeast – um and they offered him six figures just to transfer i, I mean it, it was literally just college kid i mean college. college kid i mean he was a highly rated recruit and everything like that but i mean it's just like you know you think these guys are they're making six figures you know i mean look at the kid that you know committed to tennessee he got an eight million dollar nil deal he hasn't even, he's a junior in high school i mean so i mean i think you know there's going to be some things that they're going to have to do to kind of rein these boosters in a little bit but you know to your point i think it is really good that guys can they can get compensated for some of these things and, you know, they don't have to get, you know, paid under the table at some of these larger universities. Like everyone knew it's already been happening yeah, for the last already. 20 years. Now it's just out in the open. It's really yep. all it is. Exactly. So what are, what are some of the things you're excited for about the future uh, of Jackrabbit football? Have you kind of followed closely throughout the years? It sounds like you're, you're well-versed. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So, uh, you know, I, I do tune in and I, I will watch them every weekend. I, I definitely do that. I haven't been back to a game probably since, Gosh, probably been 2011 since the last time we've been to a game at South Dakota State. But um, did you watch? I, you watch it? I did. Yeah, that was that was heartbreaking. Yeah, that was that was that was a tough pill to swallow. You know, you know, getting scored on with what about five six seconds left in the yeah. game. That was a tough pill to swallow. But yeah, no, I mean, I I think we have a I think we have a really good program. You know, I think we're obviously a lot deeper in, at the skill positions than we ever have been. Um, you know, we have the ability to actually we have more athletes now. I mean, we had some guys yeah. that were athletes, you know, you had the Jerron Harris's, you know, that yeah. could, you know, blow by and run by anybody. We had some, we had some solid DBs that were athletic, but I think you just look at the athleticism and the depth of athleticism that we have now. And you look at just across our lines, our lines are much yeah. bigger. They're much stronger. And ultimately that's where the game's won. You know, mm -hmm. even, even if you're a spread team or you're in the, the game is won at the line of scrimmage still today. I mean, and yep. if, if you don't have guys that can get to the quarterback and you don't have guys that can protect the quarterback, ultimately you're not going to be able to to win national championships. Like that's the ultimate goal that we're looking for. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the program is in really good hands. Um, you know, I'm going to say it, hopefully, you know, Jimmy Rogers better be the next head coach of South Dakota state. Otherwise yeah. I think that's a travesty personally, but yeah, um, that, that's just my opinion. But um, no, I think, you know, and even like, look, you look at like Zach Lujan, you know, the new offensive coordinator. I mean, I was with Jimmy back in 2018 he was in Charlotte for a coaches convention he pointed him out and he said he was a GA at the time. He said, that kid, he said, that kid's going to be good. You know, you know, that's four years ago. And, you know, now, you know, hopefully he's, he's got the opportunity to run the show. And, you know, I think JD came back if I saw that correctly. Yes, he, he did. Coach and the, the passing yeah. game coordinator. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the opportunity that that South Dakota state has to continue to, you know, be in that upper tier of FCS schools and compete for national championships, you know, because ultimately, you know, like, look, we've been to the semifinals, we've been in the national championship, like, you know, our, People can, hey, you get to a national championship, you get to the semifinals, you're one of four teams, one of two teams, whatever it may be. I mean, 
it's a good season, right? But I think everybody, every player, every former player, you know, we all want that national championship. You know, we, we, we all want that. And I think that was, you know, ultimately we'll get there. I think we're going to get one. I just think it's tough seeing the team up north continue to win them. And we haven't got one yet. So, yeah, man. And, you know, like the other thing talking to, to Coach Rogers is, you know, you look at a lot of luck has to go into it. I mean, you look yeah. at Montana State, really, their quarterback blew his knee, ankle, something like that. I think he rolled his ankle really bad. Mark Gronowski, first series of the game. That kid was the most dominant player that entire season. Um, yep. Just just an absolute X factor. And you look, you, the ball has to bounce your way sometimes. And unfortunately, in pivotal moments, it's kind of teetered the other way. Um, yep. But also, that can be the, the biggest motivating driver behind what inspires the next championship team to roll through. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of times, number one, it is money. North Dakota State has huge donors. You look at just talent pool and, and fan support, they're in a city of about 200,000. South Dakota State has about, what, 20,000 in bookings. Yeah. So, I mean, like, if you look at gener- like overall output, we put everybody in the nation to shame when it comes yeah. to just actual output for such a small place. And then you look at, you know, driving factors, big donor support, the Bold and Blue campaign, $500 million set to be raised uh, is their ambition you got the the brand new bank opening up, uh, TCF yeah. or not TCF, uh, First Bank and Trust Arena. Yeah. The, what what will replace old Frost Arena? Um, yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of momentum just pushing in the right direction to eventually hope hopefully knock down that last pin, that last domino for the uh, for the Natty in, on the football field. Yeah, and it's ultimately it's just staying healthy, right? I, I mean, that that you look at back-to-back maybe it was a back-to-back years i think that quarterback that gibbs kid you know and that north yeah. dakota state game you know we don't lose that game if, if that kid doesn't and oh that, he that was taking very good off of them dude but he had a non-contact ligament yeah. knee injury and yeah. then mark gronowski had a non-contact ligament knee injury yeah which that 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 shouldn't happen you know it's just like you know you're you develop kids correctly those non-contact injuries i think are very tough to deal with um you know, and I mean, so it's just, it's staying healthy, right? Like Jimmy said, like you said, he pointed out, it's all, it's a little luck. You know, you, mm-hmm. you got to have the, no matter what it, it takes, a little luck. And I think a lot of that luck is actually staying healthy. This year, I think we just ran out of gas, right? Yeah. You know, you yeah, play how many, 26 how many, games. Yeah. And in a calendar year, that's insane. That's, that's unbelievable. Like yeah. the fact that they continue to stay as healthy as they did and actually get to where they got. Um, kudos to those guys for, yeah. for really, you know, putting their bodies on the line for that's a lot of games. That's a lot of football. And that that's a good opportunity for us to shout out the JFPA, the Jackrabbit former players association. So for those listening who may have played before, not a member of that get with Ryan McKnight, um, Alex Parker, uh, Andrew Hugavin, anybody to set up your membership because those funds, I think we dropped the check for 50 K to the football program this past year. Those funds went to actual quality meals, you know, not, just, you know, donuts and ho-hos after the game or whatever. It actually went to, to three meals, uh, I, I want to say, f- for the guys to be able to fuel properly. And, you know, fueling properly, sleeping properly, hydrating, those those little things are what prevent injuries down the road when you're in, you know, December playing ball. So, yeah, shout yeah, out I mean, to them. So that they're not eating Fruit Loops at night at, at Benoist, you know, Hall. So, exactly that's, that's, a, that's a little different we didn't we didn't get the meal plans like that so yeah but i but i think to your point that's that's a big reason why guys are able to stay healthier guys are able to be developed you know they're getting fed correctly if you're, if you're not getting fed as a football player in college with everything that you're burning i think it's very tough to continue to develop the way you should 
Well, and that was the hardest part I want to say for our defensive and offensive lines because Coach Mo is a beast at conditioning guys. But just to be able to maintain that weight and afford to eat the way we needed to eat to be able to retain that weight, it was uh, yeah. it was fighting an uphill battle on roller skates. So yeah, yeah, for I sure. Think, I think the new life, you know, uh, I don't know. Were you there when when uh, Jake is it Jake Matt Jacobs was there when uh, as a GA? So Matt was there. I think maybe a year or two when I was there, if I'm not mistaken. So I. I, I Personally, I don't remember him like personally, like yeah. conversating and everything, but I do remember him, his name and everything. So, yeah. so he's a good product of the product, right? Like lean, like in shape dude. I'm sure, you know, his travels and stuff and just having some youth behind him will be able to inject a little bit of life and a fresher perspective into the game. You know, Coach Mo did a lot for the program, yeah. um, but I think it's a good, a good new direction and, and we'll see what the kid can do. I'm sure he's hungry uh, to lead, lead a program outright. So it, it'll be yeah, exciting. No. Yeah, I think it's good. I, I mean, change is change is good. I mean, I, having a different perspective, you know, I, you know, I mean, I think in 2004, I mean, I think the, the one way that I hear this all the time is like, you know, we had a probably a bunch of Ford trucks, right? Yeah. You, you, you can't train a bunch of Ford trucks and you can't train Ferraris like you can Ford trucks and work them the same way. So I think that the athlete has changed. So I think having a different perspective, you know, having somebody that's been at larger programs, being able to work with, with better athletes, I think the, that's going to make a difference. I really do. So. Yeah, man. And I think you're, were you like a business econ major at South Dakota State? I was, I was an economics major. Yep. Yep. And I was, uh, I was on the health side, health promotion side. And one thing that people don't really know is when you're completing the D2 transition to D1 that we were, we were kind of just shaking off that last little bit of D2. Coach Conklin was a coach. Coach Sarvis had to coach classes. Those coaches were coaching classes. Uh, um, coach, so coach, that, coach Lee was too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I mean, I remember, uh, you know, Coach Conk, he was a D coordinator at Pitt, and now he's a head coach at at uh, at uh, Wofford. Wofford. So it's yep. like, man, like th- these are these are guys that you have to want it when you were at that transitional point for South Dakota State, and they did. They're they're yeah. in their stripes. That's that's it's not an easy career. I mean, to to be a to be a coach, and you know, recruiting now is is 365 days a year. You know, with the transfer portal and the early signing period, the late period, like, I mean, it's, it is a, it's a 365 day a year job. And, you know, I, you know, I couldn't do it, you know, personally, but, you know, kudos to everyone who's out there really doing it and grinding. So keeping our program afloat. That's right, man. So when, uh, when's the next time you're going to be up in Brookings? You, do you do the golf tournaments or anything like that? I know it's kind of a hike from Tampa, especially with a daughter. Yeah. I've actually never been to one since I've graduated. I, honestly, um, I'm going is that back to you're scared of golfing. No, no, I'm not. Scared of <laughs> I, I, I live in Florida. How many golf courses are out here? I'm yeah, not exactly. I'm good and I play a lot, but I'm not scared <laughs> of golfing for sure. Um, but no, so I mean, I'd, I'd love to get back to a game. Um, I think, unfortunately, a lot of times, you know, my brother's in college athletics. So a lot of times I'm, I'm going and watching his guys play um, when I'm traveling and stuff, too. And I'm going to be back. Um, he's at Austin P is where he's at. So he's oh, an nice. athletic director, director of strength and conditioning um, for the football program there. Before that, he was at Houston. I need to get down there. I didn't. Yeah, he was at Houston for five years prior to that. So, um, so I spent a lot of time in Houston, and now recently I've just been going to to Tennessee to their games and stuff. But um, but yeah, no, I'm going out back to Iowa for my my brother's actually getting married to the lakes, you know, over the Fourth of July. So we we try to get back to the to the lakes every fourth. Spent about a week up there. My mom lives up there now, and that's really about my one trip that I get back to the Midwest typically a year. So I'd like to get back there a little bit more, maybe in the fall. 
but um, I do need to get back to a game for sure. Yeah. Well, family comes first. That's a good priority and uh, yeah. good, good excuse. So we'll, we'll let that slide. It's a good out. Yeah. I don't have any kiddos yet, so I'm pretty flexible on being able to get back when I can. I guess it's fam- family and work now these days. It's kind of changed a little bit. Life has changed. I hear that. So, so uh, do you mind sharing a little bit about what you're doing in the professional realm these days? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I work for a software development company. So we build software for businesses. So we work with like pure startups where I think of somebody who has like a back of the napkin idea and they need somebody to design it and build it. I think like one day, someday need, somebody need to build Uber at one point. Like that's what we do. Although we're working through like fortune 500 companies and help some of their, uh, their software development needs internally. So I'm running sales. Uh, I'm the first employee hired down here in Florida. I'm getting ready to kind of build out Florida, build a team out down here. And I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's kind of an early stage company. We're about four years in um, 350 employees. We'll probably be close to 500 by the end of the year. And it's a, it's it's a pretty good opportunity that I'm looking forward to continue helping these guys grow and uh, excited about the future with it. That's awesome, man. So in terms of sales, talk about that process. How do you pinpoint some potential candidates to work with? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't do any cold calling to me, you know, your network is your net worth. So, you know, I, I, I really lean on my network. So I really, you know, have a mindset in sales is like, you know, servant leadership, you know, the more I give, the more it comes back on me. So I really try to help as many people out as I can uh, have a really deep, strong network of individuals, created a good network here in Tampa. I've just been here about 12 years now. So it's really helped. I've kind of really been ingrained in the community and that's really where I, uh, I get my sales from. It's just really kind of just my network and just really being involved in the community and helping out as much as I can. Absolutely. And software is definitely the name of the game, the the digital <clears throat> commerce realm and, and just being able to uh, really scale up rapidly without holding a lot of inventory and stuff like that. That's yeah, going to be the, the transition. 100%. Everyone's trying to build something right now. I mean, if, you know, there's, I talk to HR companies, like, you know, these HR companies are trying to build technology platforms internally and because they want to call themselves a tech company, right? You know, yep. so if I have a tech company, I can sell it for much more than I can a services company. So, mm. you know, it's it, it's really interesting the way technology is moving. And I don't know if you follow crypto and, you know, blockchain, all that stuff. I mean, everything is changing. And that's, a, you know, Miami tries to be the, the blockchain crypto capital of the United States. And it's uh, the Web3. It's coming fast. And I think it's it's a real thing. And so I'm excited about that. I find that to be very, very interesting. And um, it's it's a big part of what we're doing here, too. So. Yeah, man, I'm I'm big into cryptography. I think it's very liberating. I think it's uh, yeah. I I, I could go. I hope, I hope you didn't have a lot of money invested in Luna. That's all I can say. I did not. Uh, I'm, Good for I'm, you. I think there's only one that really separates itself from a robustness, uh, and that's that's Bitcoin. I'm not a I'm not an idealist though. I don't think any one is going to win out, especially when you have a governing body that can regulate you at the drop of a hat. Um, so, so this, this, this is what this is what I would say. This is why I look at it. So like you have all these coins. Everyone loves the Doge coins of the world and everything like that. It's trash, right? I mean, you get all these people who are just. But like, there's some like serious software projects. I think that's the way you need to look at it. Like they're not coins. Like you have Bitcoin, Ethereum. Bitcoin's essentially a coin, right? But the Bitcoin is the blockchain. It's, yeah. it's the blockchain, right? You have Ethereum. You have Cardano. You have Solano. Like these are legitimate software companies, and that's what I think people just need to look at them as. Not necessarily like a crypto coin, but like they're real software projects behind them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's actually going to drive the future and stuff. So, yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, the best way to understand Bitcoin overall, I think if you separate the, the wheat from the chaff and understand that as an entity, it's, it's yeah. really, um, 
it's really a property. Uh, obviously, yeah. it is it is like you're saying blockchain, um, but it, it's a property. The SEC is regulating it as a property as well. So uh, I think yeah. that I think that's really important because that means like it's not it's not like a fiat, which is just by decree. So, yep. so you can't in there. There's only 21 million. So it's scarce, much like gold. Um, yep. You know, there's only a finite amount produced every year. I think 1% of gold roughly, which is what creates its value. And if you look yep. at if you look at the degradation of currency in different places, uh, it, it rises and falls based on the security of their leadership and the security of, you know, uh, just various factors. So allowing the market to truly dictate prices, we don't even do that in America. Right. Because yeah. if you if you generate more money into circulation, it devalues, yep. devalues the currency. So then how do businesses know if I set my price on a what day is today? Wednesday. If I set my price with you on a Wednesday, but yet the government puts more money in circulation on a Thursday. Well, then that screws up my whole pricing model on that Wednesday. You know? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I, I think it's I think it's just a fascinating world. I mean, it's 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 the early Internet, like everybody says. I mean, you have a lot of these these founders. We have a guy that we work with and. He was early on in the internet, the dot com, you know, early nineties. He sold a he sold a web company back then and he is all in on this. Like he just yeah. he he sees this as the exact same as the early nineties, the the internet boom. And you know, when you start seeing guys who are continually saying that, like they've seen it before and it's just like there's something here, right? So, you know, it's just, you know, can you uh, people a whole bunch of people made a whole lot of money on it, a bunch of people lost a lot of money just because they kind of went with the masses and so yeah, but I, I think it's very interesting. No, it's, it's kind of cool. We went down that rabbit hole, pun intended, because uh, yeah, yeah. I think there's an awesome book to read uh, that's very prophetic. It was prophetic in the early 90s. It's called uh, The Sovereign Individual, written by wow. the guys who created the internet that kind of predicted the trends that are ha that have since already happened. And then, you know, like you're talking about Web3 and, and crypt the cryptography uh, boom that we're about to see, it's, it's very telling. Um, but yeah. To kind of tie it back into to your experience at South Dakota State, did you enjoy your your class work at South Dakota State in econ? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. I guess I don't really utilize economics like micro macro economics per se on a daily basis. I'm I don't work at a bank or anything like that. But um, the overall like education that I felt like that we got at South Dakota State, I think was was top notch. I thought I had very good professors. Um, I thought it was a very good education. The one thing that I, I wish I would have done is is got my MBA while I was there, you know, going through, um, you know, I think that would have been something that would have, you know, now going back to get your MBA, I was, I got ready. I started to get my MBA a couple years back and it was just, it was a lot, you know, you're trying to work full time and trying to go to school at night and it was just, it was just a lot. So I wish I would have done that, you know, about 15 years ago, but um, at the end of the day, it's not, it's not nothing, but yeah, ultimately like I did enjoy my time. I thought it was a good education. You know, I thought it was a, it was a good place to be. Yeah, no, there's, there's so many great resources online now that, that really, I mean, I think MBA, you, you get that accreditation yeah. um, and that, that creates a lot of value in and of itself. But then if you look at all the resources online, like you can learn more for free as it relates to business um, and just overall micro and macroeconomics, how to apply them um, as opposed to just, you know, going into debt and getting that MBA. So I, I would encourage yeah. those, those of you though, who can get it either on the school's dollar or through scholarships or you know, if you're going to pay for it yourself, I would, I would encourage yeah. you to get it close to the time when you complete your undergrad. Cause I feel the same way as you. Yeah. It, it was, it was hard going back. We just get, I mean, I had been out of school for 
this was what 2016. So I've been eight, almost eight years at that point. So, yeah. you know, it was hard getting back into the study habits and going to class for three hours a night after working all day. And um, so, but yeah, I mean, and I, I agree with you. I think you can learn so much online today. Um, just listening to podcasts, like, you know, I, I listen to podcasts all day when I'm driving. That's, that's kind of like, that's where I get my source of information. I hate watching the news. I don't think it provides yeah. any va- value anymore. Um, so yeah, you, what can you learn listen so to? much just, so I'm really heavy right now on this podcast called 20 VC. So it's a, it's a, it's a VC a guy who has a VC firm actually he's in the United Kingdom and he interviews other VC um, LPs, you know, throughout the world. Uh, I think it's just very fascinating. I work a lot with startups. So I think it's just very interesting to understand kind of the, the market dynamics, you know, where, where things are going. I love um, how I built this and, and yeah. also masters of scale. Those are, those are like the three uh, podcasts that I really, I lean in heavy to. Those are good. So very professionally based. Do you have any like, uh, you know, personal development, self, self-help, I guess you'd call them or entertainment? Um, honestly, I don't. I listen to a lot of, I listen to a lot of business stuff. I mean, that's, I'm kind of a nerd like that. I, my, cool. my wife drives me crazy. She like looks at the books that I read and she's like, how do you read this stuff? But I don't know. I, 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 I love li- I love finance books. I love all yeah. stuff like that. So. You know what you're into. That's good stuff, man. And so what is, what does she do professionally? Is she involved in anything similar? Yeah. She's a stay at home mom is what she is now. So, That's a full-time yeah. job, dude. Full, full-time job. Yeah. Yeah. No, she, her, uh, she worked for a family business for a number of years. They uh, manufacture spices and blends for cruise lines, restaurants, things like that. She did marketing operations for them. But once we had the baby, I told her it was, it was just, I didn't want to have to send her to a daycare. Like yeah. you know, she can spend time with her throughout the day and continue to raise her. So she's now a stay at home mom. And I, uh, yeah, I, I kind of handle everything from the, from the work side. Good, good Midwestern values making their way down to Tampa. I see. I, I try to, I try to. It's good stuff, man. Well, yeah, I think that, uh, I think it's interesting to like seeing what guys' personalities like evolve into post playing days and seeing yeah. what they kind of take on as their, is their uh, new challenges, so to speak, off the football field. And uh, yeah, it's, I would definitely say had I learned a lot more about finance earlier, you know, I could yeah. have made some more strategic moves and, and set myself up better. Um, but better late than never, never late is better, right? So uh, yeah. right now, right now I'm kind of in that spot where financial literacy is huge. Um, I would, I would encourage folks to really understand what fiat is. Um, yeah. first and foremost, so you understand our current system. And then what are some things you could point maybe the younger kids in college to that's digestible for them? Yeah. And I think just investing, just start investing, learn how to invest. I mean, you start investing early. I think there's so many, there's so many ways to invest now that you don't have to have somebody, you don't have to have a lot of money. You can do it yeah. through like these, you know, acorns, you know, various things like that, but just learning that world and learning how the, the markets work, I think is, is an important thing to learn early and often. And I think that'll just set you up for success. Learn, learn about mortgages, learn, learn, go buy property, yeah. do all those things. Those are how you set yourself up for success. Definitely. Yeah. I, I, I do acorns, but for those folks who don't know, can you give them the, the simple version of what it is? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's literally, I, I can basically, you go buy something at Starbucks and it costs four fifty. Basically you can take that extra 50 cents and invest it into stocks. So yeah. Um, interestingly enough, you're starting to see it more in like crypto now too. Uh, we're working with a company that's actually doing that for cryptocurrencies to where it's kind of an acorns model where you can invest your money in crypto. And um, yeah, you're seeing a lot of more social investing applications out there as well. So they're kind of making it like more the, what's the like discord Twilio, yeah. you know, various things like that, where 
then you, so there's a lot more social investing apps, that, but I think, you know, I think it's very hard not to find something where you can start doing some investments and, and really starting to build some wealth that way. I got a question for you to that, to that end. Do you see crypto as a medium of exchange or more of a property? Like, cause right. You have to have so many in circulation to be able yeah. to really use it as a valuable medium of exchange. So it doesn't tank like Luna. Yeah. Well, I think Luna was a, I think that was a pump and dump scam. I, yeah. I think there's a lot of pump and dumps out there right now, but um, I think that's a good question. I mean, I think time will tell. I, I mean, yeah. I think a lot of this, a lot of, there's a market reset going on right now. I think a lot of the companies that were there in 2018 are no longer there. Like when the, when the last bear market happened. And I think there's a lot of consolidation that's going to happen currently, you know, in that market. Um, but there's going to be continually, you know, there's going to be new companies consistently built, you know, are they, are they more like currencies that we're actually going to utilize on a day-to-day basis? Or are they more kind of like software companies and yeah. more like the AW, like the new age AWS of the world and yeah. you know, Google cloud platforms, things like that. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess that's a good question. I, I, I can't say that I'm knowledgeable enough to really kind of answer that or Same. even have a really solid opinion on it, to be perfectly honest. Same. And that's kind of, I think probably where a lot of people fall. Like if, if we don't understand it, it's kind of hard yeah. to, to navigate. So would you say that it'd be good to kind of dabble in some in, uh, some intro or inter- intermediate computer science literature to understand blockchain? Yeah, I mean, I think just researching, I think just researching blockchain in general, I think is to me, it's very, it's it's very interesting. And it's, I think it's fascinating. There's, there's so many applications to it, I think, long term, I mean, everyone like the NFT world right now, right? I mean, everyone thinks NF, I mean, people are selling like, digital images now for millions of dollars, which mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think there's a long term use case for that. But then you start looking at NFTs, and they're talking about NFTs. For example, we just built a a, a platform for the guy I was telling you about, and it's around digital seat licenses, right? So think of PSL seat licenses. A lot of these professional sports teams have these yeah. PSL seat licenses. Well, in Europe, where he's starting, these smaller soccer franchises don't have PSL seat licenses. So there, what he's doing is he's selling the, the seat as an NFT, and the person who buys that seat, every time the seat is, is sold for a match, um, there can be various things sold with it. That person who owns the NFT is actually making money on that. Yep. That's Gary Vaynerchuk's model. I think that's yeah. a really good model personally. That, that, yeah. I mean, but then you have these people selling all these like boar apes and stuff like that. Yeah. Those people made a lot of money, but at the end of the day, like I don't see that as a long-term value, but yeah. I think there's a ton of value in understanding what blockchain is. I think you're starting to see it more and more within you're going to start seeing healthcare, right? You know, the, the blockchain and people being able to control, because that's what it is. People being able to control their documents and, and their personal information, right. you know, on ledgers and basically being able to encrypt it. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I would definitely say I, since I work for a software development company and I'm not a tech person myself, I go to code Academy and I learn like SQL. I learn like Java. I learn react. And those are all coding languages, but it helps me have conversations with, companies and individuals who are building things and building products. Because if you really look at, if you, if you look at code and you look at coding language, it's all logic and it's all math. Like it's, it's logic. I mean, people think that, you know, just kind of like the nerds per se are like, you know, the developers and stuff. They're some of the brightest individuals you will meet, Mm. you know, they really, they may not be extroverted and they may be more introverted, but the knowledge that they have on just logic, math, and just, how companies work. It's, it's fascinating. It really is. So yeah, it's, it's an applicable language to every domain of life really. It and it's input output 
so they know how to tell it what to do and and, yeah. and generate the output in the in the the product that they want and you can put yeah. it on any system really which is really intriguing and that's what i'm so fascinated with blockchain because it's so secure yeah. um and then in ideally in a situation like bitcoin it's so secure and it doesn't have a central uh figurehead which is yeah. which is nice i mean if i'm 18 years old all over again and i'm going to college i am learning to code yep. and i am learning that like no doubt about it i mean there's there's so much money to be made as a developer because there's such a lack of developers out there. Mm -hmm. um, and it, and it, there's so many different roles that you can have by just truly understanding that um, from a product side, from finance, wherever. I mean, you can really have, there's a lot of different roles in there, but yeah, I could go back. Yeah. I would say I would, I would, uh, I would have a greater understanding of all that stuff for sure. Yeah. I probably would have done the same thing, man. I probably gone computer science. If, if it fit enough of my personality, I'm pretty extroverted. I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm good at math, but I'm more verbal um, in yeah. my disposition. And then I think I would have gone computer science and then probably business or economics on top of that yeah. layered into that. Cause then you can see how to apply it. And I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of South Dakota state too, cause it's kind of in, in the Midwest overall, there's a lot of gain to be had because usually things happen more slowly in those areas. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot of gain to be had in this domain for them. Um, you know, if they wanted to hop into even like you're talking about seat licensing and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think there's, I think there's just a lot of opportunity there. Right. I mean, you know, as, as it continues to grow, I mean, think about all the ag companies there, how many, how many ag tech companies could be spun off, you know, long-term out of there just because they understand the, the farming process. So Bingo. you're starting to see so much, so much of that stuff. Like, you know, I think there's a, in every corner of the United States, there, there's, there's different, you know, opportunities that we have. And I think there's a tremendous opportunity up there. I mean, it's, small and sleepy up there, you know, just because it's people consider it the Midwest. But I think there's Sioux Falls is growing, you know, that's a, that's a feeder place from, uh, from Brookings and stuff like that too. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that the Midwest, I think you should be very bullish on people are moving there. People don't want to be on the coast anymore. They're moving out of California. They're moving out of New York. Um, yep. They don't want to be in the big city because you can work from anywhere these days. Great migration. And for those who don't know, if you got kids who are considering colleges, I was talking to, uh, uh, when I was with Sparta Science, I was talking to a gentleman uh, living in Montana and he was asking all about South Dakota State, you know, yeah. and like people are, he had a daughter, he has a daughter who's looking to go to school. And I guess Montana has uh, reciprocity too uh, yep. in terms of tuition. So for folks who, who are looking at that too, South Dakota does not have income, uh, state income tax, yep. right? Yep. So that's right. a, that's a luxury. Florida doesn't either, right? Does not. It does not. We can't shovel. Yeah, and you can't shovel sunshine, so um, <laughs> that's you have to deal with a little bit of rain and humidity. But I mean, it's ultimately you don't have to pay taxes on your 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 income, your state income tax. It's, it's kind of so nice. quit moving to Texas, go to F Florida or South Dakota. Here, that's that's my push. <laughs> yeah, you just don't want people to come to Texas. You don't want California to become Texas. Yeah, it's starting to happen. It's already we might already be there, which is fine. I love people from Cali. My family's out there. It's just there's so many darn people here already. That it's yeah. it's like just overpopulated and like really we're having a we're having trouble with the infrastructure like moving people in and out which is one thing that you know South Dakota Brookings especially has not had an issue with that, no. that was such a luxury being able to just wake up get in the car and go wherever yeah. you want to in five minutes. I mean that's the thing. I mean think about it. Like I told you earlier, it's gonna take me thirty minutes to get back home. I was probably ten miles from my house. I was downtown. <laughs> You know, I was not very far. And then 30 minutes would have got me to Sioux Falls from, from Brookings, you know? So it's just, it's, it's kind of yeah. crazy. So, well, but, man, that's wild. But Brock, we appreciate you jumping on the yeah. pod. This has been an awesome former player feature. I think we, uh, 
we learned a lot. I learned a lot, shoot, just from a financial perspective, but also yeah. really cool seeing your your trek. I know you're not a guy who who's really outwardly facing, so it was cool to learn more about your your uh, CFL endeavors. And yeah, uh, you know, I was it was really cool playing with you back in the day, man. Hopefully, you can get up. We can uh, we can talk shop when we're up in Brookings uh, one of these years. Um, and sure. for folks who want to get a hold of you, man, or learn more about your company with Dual Boot, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so the only social media platform I'm on is LinkedIn. So Look me up Smart. on LinkedIn or yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't do social media. That's just not, hasn't been my thing for years. And that's probably why no one even knows where I'm at these days. And that's um, why you read finance books. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. So but yeah, LinkedIn, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Happy to love to connect with anybody. Um, you know, obviously I, I really enjoyed my time at South Dakota State. The people I think was one of the biggest things that, that I appreciate, you know, long-term friendships that I always have from, from my time up there. And yeah, anybody reach out to me on LinkedIn, more than happy to talk and would love to connect with anybody. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it again. And on that note, go big, go blue, go, go Jacks. Jacks. We hope you enjoyed this former player feature. We would also like to thank our sponsors, Drake's Place of Ballado, South Dakota, Cottonwood Coffee and Bistro of Brookings, and Shenanigans Sports Bar and Grill in Sioux Falls. And as always, go Jacks.